You're listening to the Redfield Arts Audio Podcast. Nexus. Nexus. N-E-X-U-S. The word nexus. It's a word that Philip Arnaud uses a lot. Um, Philip is the founder of Baltimore Theatre Project. The presenting theatre was founded in the early 1970s, and Philip was its producing director for a little more than 20 years. And in talking to Philip, he uses the word nexus a lot, and it's become part of my lexicon. Um, as the story that we tell you and the person that we are about to tell you about unfolds. Baltimore Theatre Project being the nexus of connections, of friendships, of the creation of theatre work. Drawing in the Dark, the Art of Michael Yampieri uh, is a book that has been curated beautifully, rendered, book by John C. Wilson of artist and teacher Michael Yampieri's work. For over 30 years, Michael attended every performance at Baltimore Theatre Project on West, uh, 45 West Preston Street and sat comfortably in the same seat every opening night, which was often a Wednesday night, with his sketchbook and his pencils. And as a performance unfolded before him, captured in dynamic lines, brilliant moments. I knew Michael. I, I worked at the theater project on and off over the years. My time was really the mid-1980s. And um, I tell people that the theater was my graduate school for theater and for performance art and creativity. I learned so much from Philip Arnaud, from the companies that were brought in from around the world, from the, of course, the work that I either acted in or produced there. I met Michael there and became friends with him and became friends with John C. Wilson. When John handed me the book, Drawing in the Dark, The Art of Michael Yampieri, I cannot express the range and depth of emotion. Yes, a lot of it's personal because for some of it, I was there and yes, I think four or five productions that are represented in Michael's, in the book of Michael's work are plays that I directed or was in or produced. So it, yes, it took me down memory lane in such a wonderful way. But again, Nexus, all of these connections, my acquaintanceship and uh, knowing Michael Yampieri, my friendship with John Wilson, and my long friendship with Philip Arnault is because of this vision of an eclectic 
noisy, wonderful, adventurous, experimental theater space and everything that happened within it. And with the curation of Michael's drawings in the book Drawing in the Dark, The Art of Michael Yampieri, I used that as an opportunity to talk with John and with Philip to really get the full story, to really hear about their journeys over the decades, making art and knowing Michael and Michael's art. And these conversations that you're about to hear were recorded by telephone in the spring of 2021. The book is available now and you can find it online. We will have links on our website. And all I can say uh, with all my personal feelings, warm, wonderful personal feelings aside about this work is that if you love art, and if you love the theater, if you, if you love the history of world theater, then um, I strongly urge you to get a copy of Drawing in the Dark, The Art of Michael Yampieri. And the first thing I wanted to know from John was all about Michael. Who was Michael Yampieri? Michael Yampieri is uh, an amazing artist um, and probably one of the sweetest, most gentle, unassuming human beings I've ever met. Um, Michael uh, grew up in West Baltimore. He was born in 1940 and received a Catholic education um, on the west side of town. And uh, after high school, became a Xavier and brother for a few years, but decided that um, the priesthood was not his calling and went on to Catholic University to study art. And he got both his bachelor's and his master's at Catholic University. One of his instructors, as he's about to uh, graduate, um, gave him a tip about interviewing for a job in Baltimore to launch a new art department at Loyola High School. And he got the job. And Loyola became Loyola Blakefield. And he taught there for 42 years. And recently I've spoken with a lot of his former students. And um, he was such a, a guiding light, such an inspiration to them. And whether they had art careers or not, he really uh, was really part of the formation of their lives and gave them um, exquisite advice on life and 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 their future. So um, there was a lot of gratitude that I'm hearing from from his former students. Michael was an artist um, who mostly drew and painted, but explored a lot of other media as well. Um, he took a course in filmmaking at the Maryland Institute College of Art so that he could offer that to his students as well. So a very dedicated educator, very dedicated teacher. And um, when he retired, 
um, they created a scholarship in his name and um, it honors um, a graduating senior who has demonstrated personal and spiritual growth through his pursuit of creative expression and his achievements in the arts. So um, his name lives, lives on at Loyola Blakefield. He exhibited at local galleries in Baltimore over the years, but I think the thing that's most astounding is that um, with his love of drawing, he um, and his love of all the arts, he was he was a huge supporter of the symphony and new music and all the different theater companies in town and dance. He, he loved them all, and. Um, lived very close to the Baltimore Theater Project and attended just about everything that went on the stage there. The founder and director of Theater Project was also sort of a co-producer of um, the New Theater Festival, which was staged at UMBC, started in 1976 and reoccurred in 1977. As a part of the 1977 festival, they had a workshop presenter from New York, um, a amazing woman called Rita Fecker, who did a workshop on drawing during live performances. And Michael signed up and it just sort of let the genie out of the bottle. He, he, he was so excited by this. And um, continued to do it for over 30 years. And um, there, his quality of line just captures so much the character of each show that he saw. Um, to sit in a dark theater and quickly draw while actors are performing on stage just continues to astound me that he um, he is um, he is a one of a kind. He is a genuine genius at this kind of drawing, and I've been in love with his drawings ever since I first saw them. And um, I'm really pleased and excited to uh, create a book that showcases his work. Baltimore Theatre Project took root, seeds were planted, blossomed in the early 1970s, tumultuous time in America. The Vietnam War, civil rights movement, women's liberation movement, a time of great upheaval and change. And Philip Arnaud founded the theatre in 1971, it grew out of an experiment that was part of Antioch College. It then found its own footing in the early 1970s and was rockin' and rollin' by the mid-70s. 
went through a transition period in the early 80s, um, which is about the time that I became really involved. Philip Arnaud currently is the uh, director of the Center for International Theatre Development. He founded that in 1990, about the time that his tenure at Baltimore Theatre Project ended. Here's Philip talking about Michael Yampieri. Dear Michael, um, what a joy he was um, for Baltimore. What a joy he gave to hundreds of, or maybe thousands of actors, uh, directors who saw his work. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about his work. In 1976, Herbert Blau and I did the first TNT festival at UMBC. Uh, and maybe one of the more important projects I've ever done because we had some international participation, but we had like 25, 35 companies, five international, five from New York and the rest from America. Um, the second year in 77, um, we felt the, and that was done at the campus at UMBC. Uh, we moved to Baltimore. Uh, and in each of these festivals, there were workshops. I mean, Lee Brewer was there in the first year. Tibichik um, Sinskudis was there from the uh, um, Polish Laboratory Theater, Grotowski's Theater. <coughs> in Baltimore, that first year, we brought a visual artist named Rita Fetcher to do a workshop, and Rita would sit in New York theaters with her sketchbook in the dark and with deft precision captured these moments that only, you know, I've seen it sometimes when the, the film or video camera was position just right and you saw the 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 moment of connection between two actors you were an actor you know what that is or that moment of real deep connection with an audience the look up of a bolik polivka or of a and michael took this workshop and started to draw. And uh, of course, Michael, come on in. Michael sat in the eighth or ninth row, pencils in one hand, notebook in another, and drew. And I write about, I have a, an essay in the book, a couple, uh, but I write about that still hearing the shrieks of recognition, shrieks of recognition, the audience is left, 
Michael is down in the bar showing Barbara Van and Jim Barbosa from the medicine show or showing Leonardo Shapiro uh, and his actors from Shalico or showing the Iowa Theater Lab or showing these artists what he had drawn. Uh, and it was magical. And Michael, <clears throat> we then began, he would come, we'd try to get him there on opening night, and then we would have his notebook uh, in the lobby for people to thumb through. And I, th I guess we must have cut out some of the pictures and put them in plastic so they weren't thumbing through, they were being respected. Um, and Michael did this with us, he did it at Center Stage, Corner Theater. Um, he just drew in the dark. And um, for 30-something years, I think, um, with this uh, uh, wonderful, I'm looking at a picture of him now, um, with this wonderful bush hat on. He went to Edinburgh with me when I took some folks to Edinburgh. Uh, he drew his way through life. And at the same time was a beloved teacher, an art teacher in the Baltimore City Schools. He was uh, just this gentle man who captured so much of Baltimore's performance history in a very unique way. Um, and then, uh, like all of us, Michael retired, got old. Like all of us, he got old. Some of us don't retire. Uh, um, and uh, was uh, uh, I stopped seeing him. He moved into a home with Hodgkin's disease. And John was a John Wilson, who I brought to Baltimore very early on, I think in 77. And he's made a home for himself here ever since and was on staff at the Theater Project and was a board member for many, many years and a huge supporter. Got John got his uh, graphics design uh, in one of the first uh, graduate classes at University of Baltimore. John and Michael were friends, they kept being friends. And John told me that he had talked to Michael. Michael was depressed and, and ill, very ill, and had something like 29 boxes of these drawings. And they were... Um, you know, they were a burden to him, and he was just going to burn them, throw them away. And John knew, and certainly I knew, but it, John's impulse was to say, Michael, wait, 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 wait. And so John got uh, Annie Kentler and Fulweiler, and Fulweiler, uh, who had just stepped down as to director and Bobby Mrozek who followed me and uh, we started to look through these things 
and it was clear that uh, I don't know. I assume you've seen the book, um, but when you put it in your hands, <clears throat> John made all the right choices about the paper, about the weight of the book. It really feels like you've got Michael's notebook in your hand, and as you flip page to page, they're all annotated. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was uh, reliving uh, 20 years of my life uh, from 1971 to 91 uh, of the theater project. The older you get, I guess, the more you do that. Um, but it was, you know, when it finally got delivered, when it was finally put in my hands, um, I, I got some books and I bought some books and, uh, I sent them out to, to people like Stacy Klein and, uh, um, friends and board members of, uh, foundation that supports me and I've just been getting these you know absolutely five star reviews from people <clears throat> Susan Beresford who's the former director of the Ford Foundation and now uh, is the direct is the president of the Trust for Mutual Understanding the foundation that supported my work all these years just you know, within an hour and a half of getting the book, wrote me and told me it was a magnificent, a triumph, a classic that she had once noodled around with putting pencils in her hand and drawing, and she was back in the drawing board. And, um, you know, I think it's... Uh, I think it really adds, like I said three or four minutes ago, to a very unique um, history of a period of Baltimore that was that you were part of, and that time was very unique in this town. Uh, and Michael, in this wonderful book, captured it. Absolutely. I mean, Philip, I love the book. Um, the um, response that I had was on so many different levels um, from remembering those moments after a performance when Michael would come out, <clears throat> go through the book, select things to cut out for the lobby book or to show the company, Um the shows that I either acted in or directed, I think there are like five or six represented in the time period that's covered. The history of the theater project, I, I, I went through it to see the images. Then I went through it to read captions and the essays. And um, so I had that double-edged sword of, of the, the wonderful work and my own trip through memory lane, um, which was powerful for me. Um, I came to the theater project as a teenager before the renovation. 
I, I was there a couple. And uh, when I was still an undergrad at Towson, the first time I ever talked to Carol was when I cold called her and I pitched an idea of a, you know, I wanted a place to work. <laughs> so I pitched this idea of a resident theater company and she was very kind. And she said, no, that's not really what we're doing right now. And then through associations with people, um, I do believe the first time I met you face to face was you, Carol, and Ken Mark came to my house to talk about building the model of uh, the, the the final of the, theater project yeah. with Ethel's place below it, and, and I made that, and that that survived. So going through the history of the theater project, just it was it's a beautiful book of Michael's art, and then it is this history of not just a time in Baltimore, but but theater in the United States, world theater. Within this theater space, there was once a set of sharpened colored pencils moving over paper, scratching through the darkness to a light of vivid comprehension. These pencils danced in the hands of Michael Yampieri. The audience, the technical crew, the performers, all played our parts in the hopes of creating a new little world on the stage. And... With a measure of good grace, we, in some way, made the big world outside our theater a little more understandable, more tolerable, and more beautiful. Michael's drawings, as represented in this book, serve as a perpetual witness to the worlds of performance that came to life on the theater project stage. It is the defining nature of live performances that the creation exists exclusively in the spontaneous moment of the event. If one were to look back into the theater after the show has ended, all one would see is an empty black room. Michael witnessed the art differently, and I think more completely than the rest of us. Through his eyes, ears, heart, and soul, he translated the many little worlds that he witnessed into these impeccable sketches. Bobby Morozik, Producing Director, Baltimore Theatre Project, 1990-2001. to Well, I met Michael when I moved to Baltimore in April of 1977. Um, Philip Arnault had uh, met me in Florida, where I was doing a job in 1976, and um, saw my work and decided that I could be helpful to his um, um, summer community arts project. It was called the Neighborhood Arts Circus, and um, invited me to come to Baltimore for the summer. And that happened to coincide with the new theater festival, and um, um, almost immediately, I met Michael because he was coming to every show and um, was just astonished by 
his drawings and and what a, a genuinely um, lovely man he is um, and our shared interest in theater. Well, um, a number of years ago, um, Michael's health began to deteriorate and um, his brother decided that it was time for him to move to an assisted living center on the Eastern shore near, near his brother. And Michael started packing up his house and um, he had misplaced my phone number, but he had my mailing address. He sent me a postcard that said, um, I'm getting ready to move. Uh, what should I do with all my sketchbooks? Should I just throw them out? And I was just so horrified at the thought of these magnificent drawings being discarded. I just, I, it just, I immediately called him and said, Michael, no way. We'll figure out a way to um, preserve and archive your drawings. So the first stage of this was really finding a way to, to uh, protect them, to keep them, to give them a place of honor. And I called Philip Arnaud, the founder director of Theater Project. I called uh, Bobby Morozik and Anne Fulweiler, who had subsequently been producing directors at Theater Project, to see if they would work with me to find a way to, uh, to uh, find a home for these drawings. And they were delighted to step up and do that. And it looks like we're going to uh, be able to get them archived at the Johns Hopkins University Library. And the more I thought about it, um, the more I realized an archive is just really wonderful way to preserve something. But unless you know it's there, um, not a whole lot of people are going to necessarily go seek it out and visit it. And I wanted to do something much more public uh, to, to highlight his talent, to put these drawings in the world in a way to celebrate Michael. And um, my, my background besides theater is in, in design and publications. So doing a book seemed like a logical thing. And um, Michael and I had often talked about how do we use some of these drawings? Do we do some posters? Do we do a book? And it always got tabled. And it seemed like now is the time to do it. Now is the time to really um, look at all these drawings and figure out what would make a magnificent book. I used to love when Michael would sidle up to me before a premiere and ask which colors of pencils he'd best have ready and close at hand. I knew Michael liked to sit on the house right side, usually about three or four rows back. His seating position seldom varied unless I knew he'd get the money view from another angle. His generosity in giving away his drawings became legendary. Gifts from his heart to the artists that brought him such joy and occasionally consternation. Michael by no means loved everything he saw over the years. 
When you to the Baltimore Theatre Project performers first realized that this lovely man had not only cared enough to attend and document their performance with his professional talents, but also intended to give them a few of the pictures, well, sometimes there were tears, but always there were smiles, hugs, and words of thanks. And then I think about the many theatre performers, actors, musicians, dancers, whose artistry by its very nature is ephemeral. And yet, here was Michael, able to capture their work so beautifully with his own ephemeral style. Anne Fulweiler, producing director, Baltimore Theater Project, 2001 to 2012. After each show, Michael would come out into the lobby. Often it was opening night and there was a reception, but he would dash into the conference room and he would look through the sketches and pick um, a handful of his favorites from that evening's performance and put them in a portfolio case that was housed in the lobby of the theater. Um, he would also share the sketchbook with the artists who performed that evening. And after all the oohs and ahs, he would often cut out drawings and gift them to the artists. So on some level, I was sort of astonished that we would have anything at all to look at um, because he was so generous in giving away drawings. And I also realized I did not have the time um, or uh, wherewithal to track down all of these drawings. But um, when Michael did contact me about um, downsizing, um, he invited me to his home and we, we dug out um, a whole chest full of uh, sketchbooks that I boxed up and took away. And um, we went through them and sort of uh, indexed them um, so we knew what we had. And um, later, as I was actually working on the book, I realized that we didn't have a lot for the later years. He had slowed down in his attendance a little bit, but I, but I knew there were shows that we didn't have um, in, in the assembled archive and uh, contacted Theater Project's new producing director, Chris Finkston, and um, asked him to go digging around the theater and um, in storage in uh, un under the seating at Theater Project, um, he found a whole bunch of additional drawings for the later years that he drew. And, um, and so we have those as well. Um, currently, uh, there are banker boxes full of sketchbooks and the folios of the drawings that he cut out put in those portfolio cases uh, in my living room. Um, can't sit on my couch because it's full of Michael sketchbooks, but um, soon they will, they will get archived. But um, uh, Michael generously turned them over to us to, uh, to secure their safekeeping. My friendship with Michael um, uh, grew over the years um, because 
attending shows. I was seeing him regularly there. Um, at one point, um, the theater project was taking um, a local company, the Thunder Thigh Review, to perform at the Edinburgh Festival. And Philip um, arranged for a tour of the Fringe Festival um, for people from the Baltimore, D.C. area to, to go to the festival. And he would curate the shows for them. And we would be there to support uh, Joyce and Kay, the, the actors of Thunder Thigh Review. And both Michael and I sort of jumped at the chance to go. We'd always heard stories about the Edinburgh Festival and um, a number of shows that did come to Theatre Project, Philip first saw at the Edinburgh Festival. So um, we were just thrilled. Um, I believe that was in 1986 that we uh, all went to Scotland. And um, we just had a grand time together there, which was a I think a further bonding experience. As I mentioned, I came to Baltimore in April of 1977 to work on the Neighborhood Arts Circus. And um, um, I had studied theater at a liberal arts college in Iowa. I had put together a festival and conference for a newly formed consortium of Southern theaters and was sort of at the beginning of my career in the theater. And I must say that between the new theater festival and theater project, my brain almost exploded that witnessing experimental theater, new theater, um, avant-garde theater, whatever you want to call it, um, was life-changing. Um, I loved theater, but a whole new world opened to me and um, just just captured my heart. So uh, Theater Project became an artistic home for me. And beyond the Summer Community Arts Project, um, I stayed on to work at the theater. Uh, it was a very small staff and, you know, you wear a lot of hats, I guess, my primary duties were artist relations and house manager that um, Theater Project was a producing theater. I mean, excuse me, Theater Project was a presenting theater, not a producing theater. So all of the shows uh, toured in from, from within Baltimore, around the country or around the world. And I was host to those artists, um, providing them housing, helping them settle into uh, the performance space. And when audiences came um, to uh, ensure their um, safety and uh, pleasurable evening at the theater. So um, I, I did that for a couple of years and ended up deciding that I was gonna go to grad school. Um, I wanted to find something I could do uh, that might be a little more lucrative than working in the theater to support my arts habit. So um, I went to the University of Baltimore in a brand new uh, master's program called Publications Design and uh, came out of that program and um, did a lot of design work for Theater Project and worked at 
Baltimore Magazine, went back to the University of Baltimore to teach design, all that time uh, doing doing graphic design, you know, brochures, posters, whatever for a theater project. And eventually they asked me to join the board of theater project. And I served on that for 27 years. And I think about five of those as the president of the board. So um, a deep, long commitment of loving and serving that organization. Um, in 2009, um, I sort of got this weird itch to actually do theater again and not just sort of support it. Um, and I decided that I wanted to direct a play, which I did independently. Um, environmentally, I went to Zodiac Restaurant um, with a play that's set in a bar uh, called Kennedy's Children and um, had my first directing experience since college. And it kind of lit a bug for me. And um, a couple years later, for Theater Project's 40th anniversary season, um, I proposed to direct a piece from the past. And since so much of the theater that was presented at Theater Project was improvisation-based, um, was not script-based, um, I sort of dug around to figure out what could I do from the past. And one of the earliest shows that I saw there by Theater X out of Milwaukee was an amazing piece called A Fierce Longing. It was uh, about the life and writing of Yukio Mishima. And I contacted the playwright, John Schneider, and asked if I might be able to get a copy of the script and if he would allow me to uh, resurrect his play for the Theater Project's anniversary season. And um, I was really thrilled to be able to direct a piece that performed in the Theater Project space, because that's certainly a temple that I've loved for a long time. Well, I think um, I would be remiss if I didn't give a huge thank you to Michael um, for his trust and um, generosity in allowing me to take his drawings and create something um, of tribute to him. Um, I'm so deeply honored that he gave me this opportunity and partnered on it. He, um, he always kept saying, you're doing all the work. I'm not doing anything. I said, you, you drew for over 30 years. You gave us thousands of drawings. Uh, you did your part first and now I'm doing my part. But, uh, um, he is such a sweet man, and um, I'm just delighted to, to celebrate his work. I also am so happy that Philip Arnaud, Bobby Morozik, and Ann Fulweiler were partners in this project, and that each of them wrote an essay or a reflection for the book that gives some cultural context to these drawings for those that may not have seen the work at the time. Um, I think it, it gives some shape to the book and, uh, and it was really delightful to see them uh, reliving the 
decades that they ran the theater and curated the shows that went on that stage. There are a whole number of people who helped me along the way with with uh, editing and um, producing the book. Um, too numerous to mention in this moment, but um, it, it took a village to do the book, and um, I am deeply grateful. I want to thank John Wilson and Philip Arnaud for spending the time chatting and doing the podcast with us today. To order a copy of Drawing in the Dark, The Art of Michael Yamperi, visit drawinginthedark-book.com. That's drawinginthedark-book.com. There you can find out more information, look at some beautiful pictures, a little preview, and please order the book. Philip Arnaud can be found at citd.us. And of course, you can find us at redfieldartsaudio.com all the time as well. Thank you for listening. Be safe, be well, and we hope that you join us again. Thank you. <laughs>